In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, Have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, so rule and govern our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that ever mindful of the end of all things and the day of your just judgment, we may be stirred up to holiness of living here and dwell with you forever hereafter through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The first lesson for the 26th Sunday after Trinity is written in the book of the prophet Daniel, chapter 7. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch. Because of the boastful words, the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is the word of the Lord.
The second lesson is written in the second letter of St. Peter, chapter 3. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand. of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Glory be to you, O Lord. Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. 
And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or in sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ.
Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. If you have to stand before the judge, you would at least expect a judge to be fair and impartial. And not to, not to insert himself in his personal preferences or prejudices, not to decide your case before ever hearing the arguments, the evidence, the testimony. But it might appear that the judge who Jesus says will judge the fate of all mankind on the last day is neither fair nor impartial. In our gospel for today, it appears that he may have decided the case and even passes the sentence first before he hears any defense. And he surely appears to have a clear bias in the case. The bias shows up in his judgment. He sees everything good, all of the good and only good in those he favors and nothing good in those he doesn't. We might not object to that if we find ourselves on the right side of the judge. But even then, by all of our standards of fairness and justice, this judgment simply cannot be right. At the end, it says, all mankind from all nations will be gathered together and immediately separated, right from left, sheep from goats, destination heaven from hell. On the one hand are those who acted in love toward the Son of Man. On the left are those who did not. On the one hand are those who have done good. On the other hand, those who did evil. Naturally, those on the judge's left cry foul. It's not fair. They do not claim that they were always right or perfect. Nobody's perfect, even they would say. They do not necessarily deny ever doing evil, but they simply ask the question, but when did we see you? Their question is an excuse. Putting forth that the cause of their inactivity, the cause of their lack of love, their lovelessness, was ignorance. We didn't know. We didn't see you and didn't recognize what you wanted us, what you expected us to do. It's a claim that they would have done what was right if they had only known, if they had only seen. In other words, they say, you've misjudged us, Jesus. We're better than you think we are. Even at their sentencing, they exhibit pride and unbelief and impenitence. They do deserve their condemnation. But I think it's worth noting that the sheep ask the same question. 
when did we see you? It turns out they actually had done these things in the eyes of the judge, but they too, they didn't know it. They did not recognize their deeds, what the, that the judge could see and discern. But that is the way of all of us. Here is the way of the world. This is our way of seeing and judging things. There are good things and there are bad things. And all of us, as we observe, all of us do some good things and some bad things. The, the good, we think, is to do, the, or the, the goal of all of this, is to do more good things and fewer bad things. And in our way of thinking, the right way is that at the end, a just judge would come and he would reward the doer of the good things and punish the doer of the bad things. We hope to be on the right side. We hope that we have somehow met the standard which we suspect is like 50%, more good than bad. That we think would be fair. And in fact, in our daily life, this is, this is our way too. That's how we judge other people. By this standard, we expect also to be judged by this standard. And so naturally, because of this, we will naturally magnify the good things that we have done and we will try to hide or minimize the evil. But when the Son of Man comes, in all of his glory with all the angels with him, when the king returns and he stands on his throne, we will find out that it is not this way. First of all, the standard is not 50%. It's not to do more good than bad. Nor is the standard a 70% passing grade. And it's most certainly not graded on a curve that you just have to do better than most. The standard is not your good intentions, what you would have done if you had only known. The standard is not to just have a little bitty spark of good somewhere deep inside of you that no one else can see but maybe your mother. But what makes it worse that, is that you, we wouldn't even make it if any of those were the standard. For the psalmist confesses, I know that nothing good lives in me. It's all or nothing. Either you did good or you didn't. Either you are a sheep or a goat. Either you are blessed or cursed, heaven or hell. Now, we'll, we'll come back to the reason that Jesus mentions and talks about these good deeds here in a minute, but, but first understand that they are not the cause of the judgment. And so the judge doesn't judge fairly. That is, according to our notions of good and evil, of justice, he does not judge impartially either. He can't. It's impossible. It's not, it's not that God has favorites, like, like God loves some more than others. He does not love the sheep more than the goats. 
what makes it impossible for God to be impartial here is right there in the first verse of our text, our gospel lesson. When Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory. You see the king who returns to judge the living and the dead is Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of Mary, the Son of David, the offspring of Eve. The king, the judge, is a man, is your brother. Any judge in our human courts would just have to recuse himself if his brother or sister appeared before him in court. The judge of all mankind is no disinterested third party. He is the king who has an eternal kingdom to bestow upon his children. And in order to give them his kingdom, from the foundation of the world, he made a plan and prepared it. And in time, he sent his only begotten son to share their humanity, to bring them into his fold, into his family, to be their good shepherd by taking the place of a sheep ready for slaughter. The the shepherd dies for his sheep. The Lamb of God, to take away the sin of the world, to bear all their sins, griefs, and sorrows. You see, the judge is intimately, personally involved in your case. So whether these people stand in the judgment on his right or on his left, it depends entirely on being in fellowship with the Son of Man that is to be found in faith in him and therefore blessed by his Father, now your Father too. If you are a child of God through faith in his Son, then you are an heir. What can he say at the judgment? But come, take your inheritance. But those who refuse the Son... Those who ignore the Son, those who rely on their good, and their good intentions and their excuses for what they would have done but didn't know, they are not heirs, but are under a curse and condemnation. God has inserted himself into our case in his Son. And our verdict, our our final, future, final judgment is entirely bound up in him. Which brings us again to those acts of love that Jesus sees in his sheep, but not in his goats, in the goats. Because, you see, Jesus has not just inserted himself into into our human life by, by becoming a man in the incarnation and living and dying and rising again once upon a time. But being our brother 
even now, now that he has ascended to the right hand of God, Jesus has promised never to leave or forsake you. He has promised to remain with us, among us. How? He hides. When someone, when someone fails to love another, who refuses kindness to another, down to the very smallest deed, especially even, Jesus says, to the, to the smallest, the least of these brothers of mine. Jesus says, they did it to me. Every sin Jesus takes personally. He really does bear the sins of the entire world. Every evil thought, word, or deed. Every good intention with failed execution. Every evil intention masked by a friendly smile. Jesus stands in place, your brother. And he takes the weight of that, takes the evil of that, takes the punishment of that upon himself. When you are the culprit, he bears it so that he may absolve you and comfort your troubled conscience by his gospel. No excuses needed, only forgiveness received. But even when you're the victim, he bears that up too. So that when you suffer at the hands of another, you do not suffer alone. And also that you might in turn learn to forgive those who wrong you. But there's even more. Jesus inserting himself into our case means that he's also involved in every single act of love that does take place. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did it to me. Here's the thing, not everyone in our lives is easy to love. Not everyone seems deserving of our acts of kindness. Even among Christians, even among our brothers and sisters in faith, sometimes we might feel little or no compulsion to help. Especially if we think that the reason that someone is hungry or thirsty or sick or in prison or etc., maybe they kind of deserve it. Maybe they bring it upon themselves and they don't really deserve our help or our patience or our understanding. But you see, Jesus has bound himself to them too. And you did it to me. If we could see that and remember that, would it change your opinion about them and change the way that you talk about them? Finally, Jesus' judgment provides a comfort to his flock that these acts of love towards his brothers, though they may go entirely unnoticed by us here, perhaps because we're not really keeping track or perhaps because they seem small and insignificant, it's just a cup of water. On the other hand, we may feel that our sins are omissions of love, far outnumber our acts of love. 
Or, or we even experience that no one else in this world would notice, he does notice all the things that we do. And we may never in this life receive any gratitude or acknowledgement for it. This then is a comfort to us. To know that nothing escapes Jesus' notice. He sees everything. Down to the last glass of water, and he receives it as though done to him and even worthy of mention on the last day. I don't know about you, but when the king comes and stands on his holy throne and judges the living and the dead, I don't want a fair and impartial judge. I want Jesus. I want my brother, the king. So come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Amen. Peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join in confessing the Christian faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty.
Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Giver of every good and perfect gift, we confess that no one living is righteous before you. And so we plead your mercy for us and for all people, that we might be given grace to stand before you on the day of judgment, clothed completely in the righteousness of the only faithful one, Jesus Christ our Lord, and giving you endless thanks and praise for your great mercy and love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, your Son will return at a time when people do not expect. Grant all your baptized people to live holy lives in this age, looking forward with eagerness to his joyous return, seeking only to be found in him on that glorious day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Giver of all we have, how often we forget that nothing is truly our own and that all belongs to you. Forgive us and help us to use your gifts wisely so that we may be a blessing to others. Lord, in your mercy, King of all nations, to you we commend our government, our armed forces, and all whom you have placed in authority over us, asking that you would guide them, bless them, and uphold them in every good deed. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, our dwelling place in every generation, into your merciful hands, we commend all who suffer at this time, those who are ill, those who suffer the effects of aging, those who are lonely and frightened, those who are unjustly imprisoned, especially those who are persecuted for your name. Grant them your peace, your healing, your life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of life, your Son is the resurrection from the dead. And so we give thanks for everyone who has fallen asleep in faith in him, knowing that they live forevermore. Bring us to share with them the joys that you have prepared and grant that on the last day, clothed in our resurrection bodies, we may join the heavenly host in singing your praises without end. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who out of love for his fallen creation, humbled himself by taking on the form of a servant, becoming obedient to death, even death upon a cross. Risen from the dead, he has freed us from eternal death and given us life everlasting. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song.
Blessed are you, O Lord of heaven and earth. We praise and thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ. And we remember the great acts of love through which he has ransomed us from sin, death, and the devil's power. By his incarnation, he became one with us. By his perfect life, he fulfilled your holy will. By his innocent death, he overcame hell. By his rising from the grave, he opened heaven. Invited by your grace and instructed by your word, we approach our table with repentant and joyful hearts. Strengthen us through Christ's body and blood and preserve us in the true faith until we feast with him and all his ransomed people in glory everlasting. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, O Lord, according to his institution, we, your servants, celebrate here before your divine majesty with these your holy gifts, the commemoration your Son has willed us to make, remembering his blessed passion, mighty resurrection, and glorious ascension. We give you most hearty thanks for the innumerable benefits he has secured for us, and we humbly ask you to grant that by his merits and death and through faith in his blood, we in your whole church may receive forgiveness of sins and all other benefits of his passion. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And it is not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
We give you thanks, O Lord, for the foretaste of the heavenly banquet that you have given us to eat and to drink in this sacrament. Through this gift you have fed our faith, nourished our hope, and strengthened our love. By your Spirit, help us to live as your holy people until that day when you will receive us as your guests at the wedding supper of the Lamb, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Good morning. Every year, about this time, we gather a door offering for a seminary student to send a Christmas gift to him and perhaps to his family. This year, um, someone who's not yet a seminary student, uh, Ben Raditz, uh, is from here. At least he was baptized here in this church's family, as you might recognize the, the Raditz name. Uh, went to school, served as a Wells teacher and principal but has recent, recently decided that he wanted to go back to school to go to the seminary and become a pastor. And so he's got a couple, some amount of time before to get ready for seminary work, um, and then he'll be going there. And we thought that that might be a good uh, place to direct that, that gift. So there is a, the box 
with the cross on the top if you want to. It'll be here this week, Thanksgiving, and then at least next week too, next Sunday too, uh, so that you can consider that. Also, this is the third Sunday of the month, so today is the day for our, our monthly potluck. Hope you can join us. God be with you.